Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Ken Wyrock, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. And here we are. Matt Okada, Matthew Betts, back again to talk about even more rookies. It's been a fun couple of days talking about all these rookies here in this 2019 class. Um, and if you're listening to this, it might be at a later date. We're recording this episode uh, the week of May 7th, and we're trying to get a lot of content out to our Patreon members. So um, Okada and I have talked a lot about all of the rookies in this, in this class, highlighting them in detail over the past couple of days, even though this might be coming out a little bit later. So if there are new changes to depth charts or injuries in the offseason program or anything like that we do not have that data as of right now Um, however tonight we're going to be talking about round three rookie adp and highlighting all these guys in more detail we already went back and did round one we did round two so if you missed those episodes go back give them a listen and you can listen to uh, okada spill his heart and all of his (laughs) passion for kyler murray Oh, so true, so true. I'm going to see where I can work him into this show. I'm sure I can figure it out at some point. <laughs> Even though there's no Cardinals, I don't think, in round three. I'm sure um, you'll figure it out. I will. But, uh, yeah, glad to be uh, back on this, back on the podcast, Mike. You know, it's been an entire five minutes since we recorded it's the been a while. round two. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, we are going to go ahead and kick it off here with round three. Before we do, we just want to remind everyone where you can find all of our work. Um, we've got exciting things going on at redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All of our handles are redshirtsffpod. So um, please check us out. And one quick announcement. We're still looking for a couple more writers. So uh, if you have wondered if this is the season for you to do it or maybe not, uh, do it. Okada and I and Kent as well got our start by putting ourselves out there and taking a risk. So we'd love to hear your work uh, or read your work, I should say. You can read it to or, or read it to us and maybe we'll <laughs> listen. Uh, but feel free to hit us up on Twitter again at RedshirtsFFPod. There's also a link that you can go to on the website. Fill it out, submit the form, and we'll be with, in touch with you uh, shortly. Speaking of uh, writing and us... I'm going to officially state on this podcast so that I therefore have to be held to it that I'm going to write an article about Kyler Murray for the Red Shirts uh, site. And I have to. It is going to be filled with hearts and kissy emojis. I can only imagine that it's going to be filled with all that stuff. Um, uh, I can't listen to you talk about him anymore. We got to move on. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off here with a quarterback who. I'm probably going to wish we were still talking about Kyler Murray. Mm, Uh, So true. So the way that we have set this up is we're starting with the third round ADP uh, rookie mock drafts or or drafts that are happening right now. And and the third round is going to be prospects number 25 to 36 off the board. This is single quarterback format, so not super flex, um, which is relevant here because we're going to talk about a quarterback right away. Mm. Uh, Daniel Jones. New York Giants, the sixth pick of the NFL draft. That seems a little high, Betts. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, Daniel Jones is a guy that he's getting a lot of his love, I think, in the NFL, if there, if there is any, um, from being a David Cutcliffe-produced quarterback, which, mm. you know, if you know that name, it's because of the Manning brothers. So, um I think that has really hyped him up here to the point of being taken sixth overall by Gettleman and the Giants. I'm gonna just going to be glass half full kind of guy. He's going to the landing spot where Eli Manning is there. So This is true. That's, that's the positive I see here. There could be <laughs> an immediate shot at, at playing. Maybe not this year or at some point this year, but maybe not week one. The team is in vocal that Eli is their starter, which... You know, we could talk about that probably for a whole hour. Um, but regardless, Daniel Jones has a shot to be a starter eventually in this league and as early as late this season next year. Um, I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan, I'll be honest with that. 
But I will say too, you know, if it's a super flex league, I think he deserves to be drafted higher than this. Again, this is a single quarterback. If he does get drafted higher than this, you've got at least a shot at a starting quarterback. And in super flex leagues, those are worth their weight in gold. So um, I'm not taking Daniel Jones unless it's a super flex league personally. So Okada, unless you've got something more positive to say here, um, I don't want to talk about Daniel Jones anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know how positive these couple of notes are that I have, but one is, I guess this is sort of a freebie pass for him sort of thing, if you want to take it that way. He had horrible pass catchers at Duke. Uh, I think he was had the second most passes dropped of any FBS quarterback last year. Um, so just... It's not a it's not a passing school. It's not really even a football school in general. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then, uh, for whatever it's worth, he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl, which doesn't mean much really at all, except that it's very interesting to note that the Giants have picked the Senior Bowl MVP quarterback three years in a row. Oh, my God. Did you God. know this? No, I did not know that. <laughs> yes. Kyle Lalletta, Davis Webb, and now Daniel Jones. So... I just feel like that is the epitome of Dave Gettleman scouting and GMing. He's like, oh, well, what MVP uh, or what quarterback was the MVP at the Senior Bowl? Okay, we'll just take that guy. I don't know anything else about him. Sign him Sounds up. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no, I don't. I am not a fan at all whatsoever. If this had been the Odo Beckham Jr. Giants, it could have even helped a little bit because at least he'd have elite, an elite pass catcher to kind of help elevate his game but now it's the sterling shepherd evan ingram giants uh, this is and saquon barkley which basically just means they're going to try to throw it as little as possible and run it as much as possible which i don't know how realistic that's going to be but yeah not not a big fan certainly would not draft him in single qb uh so this is too high i think from an adp standpoint but uh in superflex i i guess you kind of have to just from you know, their their quarterbacks, you have to take them. But I don't want to. This is true. Um that was probably the worst prospect profile we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone got any valuable information there nope. except for the fact that uh we can agree that we are not big fans of this player. So let's move no. on to someone else who's at least more interesting from fantasy football perspective. <laughs> uh a tight end uh out of Auburn, Jace Sternberger um now with the green bay packers was taken in the third round um listen jimmy graham is not getting any younger and he's got an opportunity to, to learn from graham who's been really good in this league and can step forward um, and be a good pass catching tight end there for aaron Rodgers. uh what do you like about jay sternberger um his pass catching for sure he's definitely more of a pass catcher than a fully well-rounded or blocking tight end so that's good from a fantasy perspective uh, and his quarterback, you have to like that, in uh, Aaron Rodgers. Of course, on the flip side of that, for some reason, and I don't know whether it's a talent thing, although you would think uh, Jimmy Graham would be enough talent, but maybe he's just too old, or what it is, but the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have really just not produced uh, valuable tight ends for fantasy. In fact, the best fantasy finish by a Rodgers tight end was Jermichael Finley in 2011, and that was tied for eighth best tied in fantasy that year. So it has not worked out. Um, but Sternberger is a great pass catcher. Uh, he led the Aggies last season in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Uh, 832 yards and 10 touchdowns is pretty solid production uh, from a tight end. So you like to see that. Uh, okay, can I jump in real quick? Yes. I want to correct myself. I said out of Auburn. Which is not correct. Uh, it is not correct. No. Texas A&M. No. This Daniel yeah. Jones talk has got me spinning. I don't even know what to think anymore. <laughs> um, so I just want to apologize. Not Auburn, Texas A&M. Continue. Yes, correct. Um, but I don't really have anything else to continue on. He's You have to draft him because he's a tight end. That's basically what it is. And you like to draft a tight end who's connected to a good quarterback and a good offense. So that makes him interesting. And you also like the fact that he's a good pass catcher. Should mean that... He's not kind of forced into a blocking role like we've seen happen to a couple guys who are a little bit more well-rounded, which is an unfortunate thing for fantasy. But uh, he, he certainly has potential, may not be, certainly will not be, I don't think, very productive right out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, 
I think it's also fair to assume that he may not be he may not be super relevant for fantasy. Like you talked about historically with Aaron Rodgers, there hasn't been a lot of production. So even though um, his pass catching ability is interesting, I don't know that it matters. I think that that argument was said a lot when Jimmy Graham got there and people were hyped about it and excited. And, you know, I was vocal and said, listen, he's never thrown to the tight end. Why does he going to do that now? Um, but maybe that mold flips with the new offensive scheme. So we'll see. I think Sternberger is an interesting prospect. Definitely has good hands, and, and obviously in the NFL and for fantasy football, you'd like to see that. Let's go ahead and kick it over to the next guy here, which is someone who I was very surprised at that got drafted where he did. Deontay Johnson was a, a wide receiver for Toledo, uh, drafted in round three by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another guy who whose landing spot really elevates him up in terms of fantasy football uh, boards. So, Deontay Johnson, prospect um, out of Toledo, Okada. What do you think about him? I think that the Steelers drafted him almost in the second round. He went 66 overall, so that's actually really early third. And that is almost enough for me. (laughs) Uh, And it's pretty much all we have because he was not really a, a touted prospect coming into the draft. But the Steelers have had a very good draft history when it comes to the wide receiver position, especially... Uh, outside of day one. You obviously have Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round. Um, Even Martavis Bryant in the fourth round was, you could call, a good pick from a football perspective. Obviously, had other issues. They got Emmanuel Sanders in the third round. Antonio Brown, of course, is the poster child in the sixth round. Mike Wallace in the third round. You get the picture. They have hit pretty well on several very fantasy and NFL-relevant wide receivers outside of day one. So the fact that they were interested in investing a high third round pick on this guy is interesting to me and then the other thing is there's not really much in the way of proven pass catchers in this offense obviously you have Juju Smith-Schuster but beyond that you've got very 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 little um so I think there's a decent chance that he steps in and challenges uh, James Washington for I guess what you could call yes you're raising your finger like you have something to say. Oh, I'm sorry. I was not doing that. Oh. I had an itch on my index <laughs> finger. <laughs> oh, what are you it. scratching it with? My thumb. Oh, thumb? My thumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I wish the listeners could see this. Uh, makes, I did not understand. Anyways, yeah, I, I would have very, very little interest in Deontay Johnson if the Steelers had not been the team to pick him and if they would not put in this capital. But just those two things make him interesting. So he's certainly worth a look. Uh, another look from a tape perspective probably and a look in your drafts yeah I definitely need to go back and watch a little bit more of him on tape Um, I think one thing that is interesting to look at with him is he has an ability I think to get on the field right away as a return man and we've Mm -hmm. seen other guys in history have success in that role and then uh, you know coaches say okay he needs more work so I do think James Washington is this is the wide receiver two to own there Um, but I think there's it's possible and it's definitely in the realm of possibility that uh he could be the wide receiver too for this offense it just depends on how things shake out in front of him um, but like you said landing spot huge for him um massive void with antonio brown leaving he steps in he could take some of those targets so love the landing spot not sure i'm a huge fan of the prospect at this point one guy that i am still a huge fan of is kelvin Harmon. he's the next guy off the board here 28th overall in rookie drafts And the reason is draft capital. I mean, the guy fell to round six, which I think shocked a lot of people. Um, Taken by certainly in the fantasy community. Yes, this was a guy who fantasy owners were very excited about, myself included. But fell to round six to the Redskins. Um, What I like about Kelvin Harmon is he's got that my ball bully you mentality, where he's very good in contested catches. He can get down the field and make those big plays. Um, I like the guy a lot still, despite the landing spot and draft capital. There's not much in front of him on the depth chart, to be honest with you. Josh Dotson is a question mark. Jordan Reed is is always hurt. Um, we, they took another player that we're going to talk about here in a minute in Terry McLaurin. Um, so when you look at what there is, I mean, he could, he could be the team's wide receiver three right away. And... I think it's going to be a struggle for the offense as a whole this season, but 
I still like the player and the prospect. Um, if I can get him in the third round, I'm going to be doing cartwheels because he's a guy who I'm willing to take in the middle of the second round based off of the pre-draft process. Um, what do you think about, about Kevin Harmon? Yeah, this one was certainly a, a rough one for fantasy pundits um, because we so there were a lot of people who had him, if not as their number one receiver, certainly in their top five. Uh, and obviously he that did not happen on draft day uh, from an NFL perspective, and now it's not happening in fantasy drafts anymore. Um, he did not have a good combine, so that may have played into it a little bit. Um, pretty underwhelming in almost every category there. But he did have good production at NC State. He had over 1,000 yards in each of his last two seasons, 81 catches uh, as a junior in 2018. So you definitely like to see that. You touched on the contested catch ability. Extremely good there. I think he kind of has a Mike Williams sort of ceiling. And that's a, potentially a long ways away. Uh, and obviously Mike Williams' draft capital completely annihilates Kelvin Harmon's draft capital. So from that perspective, it's it would be a jump to see Kelvin Harmon get to that point. But from a just kind of a profile standpoint... Uh, he kind of has that. I think he has that kind of a ceiling. So the quarterback situation is going to be crucial here, I think. If Dwayne Haskins ends up being what he was drafted to be, which is a mid-first-round franchise quarterback, I think it's going to be largely tied to Kelvin Harmon finally being the receiver that the Redskins have been looking to have since kind of, I guess, they moved away from Garcon. Uh, so that he certainly has a high ceiling. He certainly has a low floor just from the perspective of the low investment that we saw in the draft. So big range here, but if this is where he's going in drafts, I'm a hundred percent jumping on it and I would probably get him a little bit higher too. Yeah. Okada, you and I have a, a dynasty team together that we cone and I was texting you a couple of times when he kept falling and he kept falling and I was like, dude, let's go get him. And then of course you talked some sense into me and we didn't get him, but uh, I would have loved to trade up and get him. I, I do think he's a steal this year in rookie drafts. And at this price, I mean, for, for crying out loud, he's getting taken after Daniel Jones. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's a third round pick and you drop him and, and it doesn't affect your, your fantasy team all that much. So um, definitely think the upside is well worth it, especially at this draft capital. Let's go ahead and move on to another guy who I think kind of has some sneaky upside, um, and that's Miles Boykin. Now, I will say this. His upside is capped by potentially the landing spot with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, we've talked a little bit more in detail about that offense when we talked about um, Hollywood Brown in our last episode, but Miles Boykin is no slouch at the wide receiver position either. He's a guy who fits what they're trying to do with the skill players around Lamar Jackson, and that is speed. This guy's 40-yard dash, 4-4-2, um, extremely athletic, three-cone, 6.77, which is very Ooh. good um, for a guy of his size at 6'3 and 220. There's a lot to like about Boykin. He didn't have a, a super productive college career. Just six catches um, in his first season on the field and then 12 in 2017. So um, not a ton going on there production-wise. But last season, 59 for 872 uh, and eight touchdowns. So would have loved to see more from a production standpoint because that's definitely predictive when it comes to success in the NFL. But at the same time, um, his skill set, I think, could evolve into something that could be really beneficial if Lamar Jackson can turn out to be a solid pass uh, passer in the NFL. Yep, and a lot of that ugly, ugly production can be blamed on ugly, ugly quarterbacks. So bad, Notre Dame. So bad. So that was that was not helping him out for sure. Um, so that, that you could sort of excuse a little bit of that production. And then on the flip side, like you touched on in multiple uh, drills, his his athleticism and his combine results were absolutely monstrous. One you didn't mention was a forty-three and a half inch vertical which I think might have been the best at the Combine, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds correct. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. That is monstrous. That is, hello, I'm standing in the end zone, just throw it up, Lamar Jackson, and I will outjump anybody who's here with my 6'3", 220-pound frame and my 43.5-inch vertical and my 81.5-inch wingspan and catch the ball. So if you, in my opinion, this was... Hey, our quarterback's not really the most accurate. Um, so why don't we go find a guy who he can kind of throw it anywhere within five yards 
and Boykin will probably outbody whoever's covering him and catch the ball. And that I think that's great for this for this offense. He kind of is very complimentary to the other pieces that they've built up there, including Marquise Brown, who we talked about last pod. Um, so it's not going to be a high flying passing offense. We know that it's going to be a rush, very, very, very rush heavy offense. But I think Boykin has a potential to certainly lead the team in receiving touchdowns. Uh, we'll see if he can challenge Marquise Brown from a catches and yards standpoint. Uh, but he definitely has wide receiver three for sure. I would say potential. And if Lamar Jackson develops, and this is going to be largely dependent on that, but if Lamar J- Jackson develops into a better passer, Boykin could potentially have wide receiver two upside with his athleticism. Yeah, and uh, I just pulled up the combine results here. Miles Boykin's 43.5 vertical was second best in all of the prospects. One guy ahead of him at 44, and that was a safety out of Virginia. Um Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So best at the skill position uh, prospects. So still, uh, the guy can jump out of the gym. Uh, let's go ahead and yep. move over to one of the most polarizing prospects of this class, in my opinion, and that is Bryce Love, who was taken by the Washington Redskins in round four. And you know, a lot of what we talk about here is going to be injury based. So I'll go ahead and just jump in and, and talk about that, and then maybe Okada, you can talk about some aspects to his game that you like or maybe don't like but the story with Bryce Love is if you draft him you know you need to understand this is not a pick for 2019 this is a pick for potentially 2020 and beyond because Bryce Love is coming off of an ACL reconstruction surgery um, which happened uh, right after the season ended he tore the ACL in his right knee during his last collegiate game which is such a bummer because if he had come out a year earlier um, he might have been taken in the second round of the NFL draft so uh, it's a bummer when that happens but you know, you can't really predict it. And and so now he's faced with a situation where he's still rehabbing and there's concerns about some stiffness in his knee. When these guys go back into their medical rechecks, you know, uh, at the NFL combine, they're evaluated, there's MRIs, there's x-rays. And so there's, you know, there's a whole nine. Um, and medical doctors have been concerned about some stiffness in the knee. So he's not really at a point in his rehab where he's ready to get out there and do football things right now. Um, he could be ready for training camp. He could be ready for week one, but if I was a betting man, I would say probably not. I think he's going to be a PUP candidate. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's important to point out that Bryce love is, I think a talented guy, but it might not matter for 2019 because of injury. So if you pick Bryce love, you're picking him for 2020. Uh, what do you like about his game and, and what are his strengths and weaknesses? Well, his strengths we saw in 2017 when he had 2,118 rushing yards on 8.1 yards per carry and 19 touchdowns, uh, was a Heisman Trophy, trophy finalist and just annihilated college football. But then in uh, last season in 2018, even before the injury, it really did not look nearly as good. In 10 games, he had 740 yards on 4.5 a carry. So that was that was odd to see for starters. And then, of course, the injury happened like you have covered. Um, and also, he is, his pass-catching production was not really what you'd like to see, in my opinion, from a guy who's 5'9", almost 200 pounds. If you're going to be that small, I'd really like to see you be able to get out in space, catch the ball, uh, rack up 40 catches in the NFL and make a lot of production that way because I think it's going to be hard for him at this size in the NFL to run between the tackles really well. That Having said that, that production in 2017 can't be completely overlooked. So that's this is kind of why you talked about him being such a polarizing prospect because of how polarizing his production was year to year and then the injury as well. So And then, of course, he plops down into Washington where there's a top drafted guy in Darius Geis, or well dra- highly drafted guy at least, and then a veteran who showed very well last year in Adrian Peterson and is signed for two years. Doesn't mean he'll necessarily be there uh, in 2020, but they have running backs there. Um, he's not going to be a Chris Thompson replacement, even though his size might tell you that, because his pass catching is just simply not that. So I'm not 100% sure where he fits into this offense. I'm also not a big fan of this offense in general. So there's certainly a lot of downside here, 
But we saw his upside in 2017, so if things were to swing right, he could be kind of a big risk but big home run hit reward a little bit down the line. Yeah, well said, and and I think that that transitions really well into our next prospect because this is a guy who also could be a huge swing and a miss. He could be awesome. Um, This is Jalen Hurd, wide receiver, which is new for him. Uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, Jalen Hurd was taken in the third round, which I think was surprising for a lot of people. I know I was pretty shocked yes. when I saw that. because Early third, 67th overall. Yes, because he is the definition of a raw prospect. So it's important to talk about his history here. Um, Jalen Hurd entered college as a really highly recruited running back, actually, and went to the University of Tennessee, was really productive there in doing so but suffered a couple injuries um, and I think he asked the team if he could switch to wide receiver. They said, no, we want you to play a running back. And so he transferred to Baylor um, where he sat out in 2017 for a redshirt season and then played last year, which was his first collegiate season as a wide receiver. So he's entering the NFL with only playing one year of wide receiver in his college career. But what he did last year is, is kind of amazing, to be honest with you. 69 catches for 946 yards and four touchdowns. And granted, yes, it's the Big 12 and defenses aren't you know quite as good. And they play in a, a very high-flying type of offensive scheme there in Baylor. So that could inflate his numbers a bit. But you still have to respect that. When you look at what he's going to be doing in the NFL... Uh, Kyle Shanahan has already said there's a chance they use Hurd in a variety of ways as a gadget type of player in year one, which I think would be smart to do. This is a guy who's experienced with the ball in his hand as a running back during his days at Tennessee, um, and he could use some time to kind of be a role player and learn behind other guys before he becomes a true wide receiver. So for me, I'm definitely intrigued by this guy, but I'm going to really temper expectations for at least his first two maybe three years in the nfl because he's not going to be your typical lineup outside wide receiver right away he still has a lot to learn in the nfl yeah definitely covered that pretty much almost completely across the board um and this is an interesting system for him to fall into i think shanahan is very creative but they also already have very good pass catching running backs a very good pass catching tight end uh, which Shanahan said that Hurd could potentially even have been drafted as, which at 6'4", 226, you can see why. Um, the wide receiving core is not uh, obviously world-breaking. Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel, pretty much, uh, and Marquise Goodwin, if he can get healthy. Uh, so it's a sort of an interesting situation. It'll be really curious to see how they use him. My feel is that certainly in the beginning, and you touched on this, he's going to be much more of a gadget-type player. Uh, But his ability to, I guess, uh, mature and proceed and grow into something bigger in the NFL is going to depend a lot on his coaching there. And I do like Shanahan as a coach, so from an offensive standpoint, I think that there is some upside here. So it's an interesting sort of later-round pick if he falls. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a guy like we already talked about, if you're taking him, you're probably playing him more as a, a developmental type of prospect. Maybe if you play in a league that you've got a taxi squad where you can just kind of let him sit, mm. that's a, yep. an ideal scenario. So uh, intriguing for sure, but definitely raw. Um, let's go ahead and kick it on to the next guy. This is number 32 off the board here in rookie drafts. Darwin Thompson, new Kansas City Chiefs running back. He played at Utah State. I'll be honest with you. I don't really know a lot about him as a prospect, so Kata, I'm hoping that, that you do here for our listeners. Um, uh, what do you know about Darwin Thompson? Uh, not too much either. Okay, moving um, on. He, he did not show up. Uh, he was not even invited to the combine, actually. Uh, so he did he did go to a, a put up some pro day numbers and had some decent numbers. 39-inch vertical, you're, that's really explosive. 6.933 cone is pretty decent agility. Four five three forty is pretty decent speed. So we kind of showed, of course, that's a pro day 40, so it's probably a little bit slower than that. But he showed pretty well athletically. Um, in the one season of his production at Utah State, he had 1,044 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns, which is pretty nice. And then he also had 23 catches for 351 receiving yards, which is a pretty good receiving average. So 
kind of seems like a, a decently well-rounded prospect. His upside obviously is highly capped by the tiny, tiny school, the very little lack of or the very little production um, and the draft capital being very, very low. So like you said, we don't know too much. I think he kind of in a way comps to a Sharkandrick West maybe or a very poor man's Dion Lewis, which in an Andy Reid offense, he can make almost anybody into a productive running back if he wants to. So it's a pretty good place to go for his development. I don't know if he'll have a chance to start anytime soon. A lot of people do like Darwin Thompson as a sleeper because they don't believe in Damian Williams as a starter or Carlos Hyde. I think he's very clearly the three and by a long shot uh, behind those guys. So I don't see him getting any uh, having any fantasy effect in the short term. But if this is a place where he can learn under Andy Reid, as we've seen other players do, he could have potentially some long-term upside. So this is another really great, really great, really great, really great, really great <laughs> uh, taxi squad guy. Uh, if you have one to throw on there and see how he develops. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go ahead and kick it over to another wide receiver in this draft. The next guy being taken in rookie drafts is Terry McLaurin, um, who played with Paris Campbell and Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. He was taken before Kelvin Harmon by the Washington Redskins um, to be a guy who I think is a little bit underrated in my opinion. I, I like this draft capital or what you have to invest to get him on your team late in the third round. Uh, McLaren's a guy who was kind of sneaky, sneaky athletic um, at the combine. 4.35 40-yard dash, 37.5 vertical, 7.01 three-cone drill, which is pretty good, um, and even put up 18 reps on the bench press. So he's pretty well-rounded when it comes to an athletic profile standpoint. To me, his best trait is his route running. When you talk about his on-field strengths and weaknesses, he does a pretty good job um, setting up defenders and settling down in zone coverage. That's what I saw when I watched him play. Um, it helped that he had a really accurate quarterback there in, in Dwayne Haskins. Um, and it's kind of nice that he gets to go to a situation where, what do you know? Mm. He's the quarterback. So um, that definitely gives him a bump in my opinion in terms of seeing that translate over to the NFL. He's already really familiar with his quarterback, which is great. So I kind of like McLaurin. Um, I think it's a, a good value in terms of where he's going right now in rookie drafts. Yeah, you you almost kind of have to wonder if having Dwayne, having drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round played into their pick of Terry McLaurin here because of the chemistry that they knew that, that they would have already. Um, and his production at Ohio State, while it might not look good from a raw numbers perspective, for Ohio State uh, and all the talent they have there, it actually was decent. 700 receiving yards uh, and 11 receiving touchdowns last year. That's 20 yards per reception on only 35 catches. So that speed, we saw it for sure in his ability to take passes to the house. Uh, but you mentioned the route running and that really stood out as well. He kind of made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl, uh, where he looked really good in drills and then had four catches for 53 yards uh, in the Senior Bowl. So he sort of popped onto radars a little bit more then, and I think he has. I think he has pretty solid upside. I think he makes. He's a, a really good complement to Kelvin Harmon, uh, which is good for Dwayne Haskins. So if this team can properly develop their talent between Haskins, Harmon, and McLaurin, they could certainly have a good passing game in a couple years. It, it probably will not be the quickest developing. I don't think you're going to see great production year one from any of these guys, really. Uh, at least not super solid production. But I think they have upside and developmental uh, ceiling. So I like him here in drafts for sure and probably would take him a little earlier, like you said. Yes. Okay, Okada. We need to have a, a brief moment of silence here for Kent. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a short pause. <laughs> Pour one out. Uh, this next prospect is one of Kent's <laughs> favorites, so that's why I'm saying that. Uh, mm. Rodney Anderson was a running back for the Oklahoma Sooners, was taken by the Cincinnati Bengals kind of mysteriously in round six, was actually the second running back that was taken by them in the same round, which is weird. They took Travion Williams out of Texas A&M, um, several picks above him in the same round. But regardless, Rodney Anderson is a guy that I think a lot of people were very high on going into the draft process because of his one year of college production, which was fantastic with Oklahoma. 
but the landing spot absolutely destroys any value in my opinion for Anderson. He goes to a situation where he sits behind Joe Mixon, who's going to be a workhorse. Gio Bernard has a very well-established role there as the two. And the team said, we'll take you, but we're taking someone else before you. So I don't know what to th- what to think about the prospect anymore. Um, I do still like his game. I just don't know if he'll be able to really get on the field at all in the future. Yeah, that's that's definitely the key point there. It's really curious why they did this. Uh, I didn't think they really need to focus on running back at all. They had a lot of other holes, and they drafted two running backs in the same round. Um, Anderson's certainly a little bit different than the other two guys. He's a little bit bigger. He's six foot two, 224 pounds, so he's a little bit more of an up-the-middle bruiser, uh, I would say. He had 21 touchdowns on only 217 total touches uh, in college. So that that kind of production is certainly great. Well, obviously, a lot of his potential was uh, cut short by all the injuries, so we don't quite know what he would have been. And there's probably a very good chance he would have been a much, much higher uh, draft prospect if he had not suffered all those injuries. So from that perspective, he certainly has interesting upside, but I don't know how it's going to get fleshed out, kind of to your point. Um, I guess we would have to see Joe Mixon suffer a really bad injury, and Anderson jump the guy drafted ahead of him in Travion, um, or potentially end up on another team in a few years. So the talent we've seen to be very high in very, very, very tiny samples, but the landing spot almost completely ruins that upside uh, and makes him a pretty much a speculative pick this late in drafts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's well said. And real quick before I move on, I'll just touch on his injury history since I, I do have it here. Um, Broken fibula in his freshman season. Next year, uh, fracture in his neck. Solid year. The year after that, came back, did great. And then just this last season, uh, tore his ACL. So three season-ending injuries is really kind of a red flag in terms of not being able to produce in college. When you look at those three injuries, for me, I'm not super concerned about his neck fracture long-term. I'm not concerned about the broken fibula. Um, The ACL was torn in September. So fortunately, if you're looking at the timeline for when he should be expected to do activity with his team and, and get on the field, there's a good chance he could be ready for week one. Does it matter? Maybe not. But like you said, if Mixon does suffer injury in front of him, then maybe they, they put him in there. Um, so as far as his injury concerns, I'm not too worried about it. I think it really is an opportunity issue here with Ronnie Anderson. Solid. All right. Well, we got a couple guys left here. Next guy, uh, Benny Snell. Benny Snell out of Kentucky is a very interesting sort of prospect because he's kind of an old school running back, I would say. Um, very much a bruiser. They uh, Steelers drafted him in the fourth round, pick 122 overall, so late fourth round. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell gone. They wanted to get a little bit more depth. Benny Snell, do you have any uh, outstanding thoughts on him? Snell, yeah. He's, oh, uh, <laughs> did, did you know that was like his thing when he was in college? I have heard that. Yes. yes. Also, he likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with banana. Oh, my guy. I love that. Um, yeah, big facts. Big facts. Uh, he actually has <laughs> Snell Yeah tattooed on his stomach, which I oh saw. Oh, my gosh. That I did not know. I saw it several times watching Penn State play against them in the Citrus Bowl this year because he ran all over the Penn State Nittany Lions. Um so he's a fun guy. I, I like his personality. He's an interesting character. Um, on feel, you know, on the field, you talked about it. He's definitely a bruiser. I think that he fits a Legarrette Blunt type of player. Probably a little bit more quick and maybe just a touch more agile. But he's definitely between the tackles, run you over, lower my shoulder type of player, which is really interesting in this system because. You know, when you look at what the Steelers have done with their running backs, they use them in a variety of ways, catching passes, um, even lining Le'Veon Bell up as a wide receiver. And um, James Conner obviously can do that as well. So it's, it's, it's interesting. He's not what I would expect them to have drafted for a backup running back position. But um, if anything should happen to uh, Conner or even Jalen Samuels, he could have some touches in that offense. And as we know, the Steelers offense historically has been great. So uh, I'm definitely intrigued by this guy. I think I'm 
I'm happy to take him back end of my rookie draft, fourth round, take a shot, third round, take a shot, see what happens. But yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, it's it really is a dart throw for Snell. Yeah, I think he might have the potential to sort of be a Latavius Murray, which at first glance doesn't sound great when you're going into a fantasy rookie draft. Yay, but at Latavius second Murray. glance, <laughs> yeah, good thing Kent's not here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at second glance, he has had value A from just the scoring touchdowns, even when there's a guy, a full-blown RB1 in front of him. Uh, B, as a guy who slides in when the guy in front of him gets injured and has pretty decent fantasy stretches. And C, when we when we see him get traded to a situation, and I feel like we have not talked about this very much at all, or I haven't heard much about it very much at all. He's, he's kind of flying under the radar right now, having gone to the Saints to sort of fill in Mark Ingram's uh, spot. He's got all kinds of potential there uh, to put together a, you know, seven, 800 rush yard season maybe with six to eight rushing touchdowns. And that's for Dynasty. If you can put that in your flex, give me that all day. So I think there's a I think there's a potential of Benny Snell having that kind of a career uh, if the Steelers offense can stay as productive as it has been, obviously with Big Ben in his waning years. We'll see how that goes, uh, and they're going to need to improve their defense so that they can run a little bit more and not pass however many thousands of times they did last year, led the entire league. But if they can get to a point where they're running a little bit more and can maybe have a a Connor and Snell punch, one-two punch sort of thing, he could have some interesting uh, fantasy value down the road. Yeah, let's um, let's kind of put a bow on on that for Benny Snell. Let's go to the last player here. Uh, taken in the third round of rookie drafts. This guy is someone whose name you might know because of his brother. This is Riley Ridley. Of course, his brother is Calvin Ridley, who plays for the Falcons. Riley was taken uh, in the fourth round by the Chicago Bears. Um, He's a prospect out of Georgia. There's a lot of people out there who like Riley Ridley. There's a lot of people who don't. I tend to be somewhere in the middle, which is probably a cop-out answer uh, for that, but... There's not a lot that I see on tape when I watch him run and and watch him play that I get super excited about. He had a pretty mediocre combine. Um, Maybe I'm missing something here, Okada, but I, again, I just see a guy. I don't know that he's someone that I'm going to be very excited about in rookie drafts. Yeah, exciting is definitely not the word for Riley Ridley, so I certainly understand that. Um, He's more of kind of a physical possession sort of guy. And he does run really good routes. Not as good as his brother, uh, Calvin, but very good. Um, I kind of think, and athletically, he comps very closely to this guy. I think he could potentially be compared to Cooper Cup a little bit. Hmm. Um, You have to be, and, and Cooper Cup fell into an incredible landing spot with a quarterback that has been sufficient, at least, if not very good. Um, and he's obviously shown incredible, incredible production in, in the short spurts that we've seen him. So if Trubisky can develop and if this offense can continue to thrive and kind of take the steps forward with Trubisky taking the steps forward as well uh, under Nagy, I think there's a good chance that Riley really could be a reliable low, low, low <laughs> end wide receiver too. Like wide receiver 24? Yes, exactly that. <laughs> uh, or a, a kind of decent wide receiver three who gets you 75, 80 catches. Um, doesn't necessarily blow you away uh, very often. It doesn't have huge upside, but gives you a decent floor in your wide receiver three spot or your flex. And with the amount of, of starting spots in a lot of dynasty leagues, uh, I think that that could be pretty valuable. So I kind of like Riley Ridley. Certainly, you don't have to spend up too high to get him uh, here at 36. So I would certainly be interested in him at this point. Yeah, well said. And, and I think that puts a nice uh, nice finishing touch here on round three for the for the rookies and these profiles. Um, Okada, we did it, man. We got through 36 Woo. rookies. We talked about every single one of them in detail. Landing mm. spot, draft capital, strengths, weaknesses. Dude, go us. Go <laughs> us. That was, it, it was a bit tiring. Uh, but it was fun, and I got to, I got to kind of look into a little bit more a lot of these guys that, especially the guys that we may not have looked into too much before the draft, 
who we suddenly saw pop into relevance like Deontay uh, Johnson. So that was that was fun. Absolutely. Uh, we are hoping that these podcasts can be utilized throughout the entire offseason. So if you're someone that maybe you're listening and you're saying, oh, my rookie draft isn't for a while, um, bookmark it. Come back, listen to this when you're when you're doing your rookie draft. Maybe you're doing a slow draft and you've got time to kind of, sh- kind of sift through all these players. Um, that's a great scenario and a great place to be in terms of being able to get even more content uh, as the offseason progresses. We want to give you one more player each, Okada. Does that sound fair? We'll each give one more sleeper player to to Ooh. think about here maybe it's a fourth or a fifth round guy that we say he's got a shot and, and we like him a little bit so that'll be our last touch here on the podcast go ahead and give me your sleeper in this uh this rookie class all right i'm very tempted to name a cardinals wide receiver so that i can talk about kyler murray but i will not i will not do it bets i will control myself <laughs> and instead i will name Hopefully not the guy you're planning on naming. We probably should have talked about this ahead of time. <laughs> but Raquel Armstead. Ah, I was not going to say him. Okay, good. Uh, so he was drafted by the Jaguars in the fifth round, uh, running back out of Temple. Uh, showed quite well at the combine. He ran a 4-4-5, 40-yard dash, had 22 bench reps. He's a big guy, uh, 220 pounds, 5'11". Re- so really prototypical running back size with also some very solid... Uh, athletic ability 702 in the three cone even so his agility is also decent very well rounded from that perspective uh in his senior season he had 1100 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns at temple so you like to see that not much of a pass catcher but basically uh, from everything i've said so far you may kind of get the gist he sort of seems like a poor man's leonard fournette a little bit and i think a better comp is kind of a lamar miller i think that that's actually really close to what he might be but the point is here then the reason that i'm interested is that we, leonard fournette is a uh rocky ground from a fantasy perspective i think in the sense that a obviously he's had the i guess you could call them off the field on the field issues <laughs> uh, with the suspension and the the team voiding his contract or the guarantees in his contract as well as, obviously, the injuries, um, which maybe you could give a little bit of a, just a quick touch on just as far as how you see that moving forward for him. But I think they kind of went out, went out and got Armstead to potentially be a security blanket or insurance for Fournette if they need to or, uh, or forced to move on from him. And if that happens, I think he could be uh, decently productive in this, in this system. Yeah, when you talk about Leonard Fournette, I mean, the injuries have to be a factor in your evaluation for him. In his time in the NFL, which, you know, it's only been two seasons, but he has not been the bill of health. 13 games his first season, then eight last year. Um, we know he entered the NFL with those lingering ankle issues with a lot of recurring uh, injuries and missed games because of it. So that is something that's not going to get better. Um, could potentially get worse if those ankle sprains tend to keep happening. The other thing to consider is the hamstring strains from last year, which you know, for him, uh, really derailed his entire season. And and the issue for not just him, but all NFL players is they try to get back so quickly and it's too early and the, the hamstring can't heal the way it needs to. So um, that's a concern too, because we've, we've seen guys struggle throughout the course of their career with that hamstring injury. So he's got two injuries that have high recurrence rates. Armstead's a guy who I can almost guarantee he's going to get a start, at least one start, probably multiple this season. So He's a guy who isn't even going in the top 36 that you can take and plug and play a few times throughout the course of the season. So uh, I do like that call, especially from an opportunity standpoint. My guy that I'm going to bring up is an Arizona Cardinal. <laughs> so oh! you are very excited to hear this. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson is interesting. I'll say that. He's, he's a very interesting player. Uh, there's a decent article on the, on the site uh, highlighting those things about his game that we like uh, from Alex Fan. So shout out to Alex for that. Head on over to redshirtsfantasyfootball.com and check it out. But Keyshawn Johnson was taken by the Cardinals in the sixth round to round out that receiving core. He profiles to me as a nice wide receiver three for a team, which might not sound great, but when you picture what that offense is, we're hoping it can be when they line up with four wide receivers and sometimes five, he'll be on the field. Um, 
And for an offense that might have that much upside, a wide receiver three isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, look at uh, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, for example. So Keyshawn Johnson, very productive in his time at Fresno State, especially the last two seasons, over 1,000 yards, and last year over 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns each of those two seasons. Uh, He's a guy who doesn't do anything extremely well, does a lot of things pretty well and and pretty good um i think his strengths include his route running and his awareness of where he is on the field he does a nice job of kind of setting up defenders making a quick move and and getting around them down the field so uh keyshawn johnson i like and he can have an opportunity to produce there with your guy kyler murray Mm. keyshawn johnson is the exact other name that i had to potentially talk about from a sleeper perspective so i'm glad you you pulled him out there um, Shocker! Yeah, he, they're they've built up a exactly <laughs> they've built up a, a nice little complement of different receivers here in Arizona, um, and I think that they've they've done that very purposely so that they can throw them all out wide, and you will not know exactly what's coming, and you won't be able to cover it all. So I think Keyshawn definitely has uh, the ability to develop into into, into a strong receiver for this offense, and of course, his quarterback is I mean. Possibly the best in the league. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm out of control. Yeah. but yes, I like the pick. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to shut this podcast down before you go into any more <laughs> Kyler Murray takes. Um, guys, that was awesome. We we now have 38 rookie profiles that you can you can listen into here again. If you missed the first two, go back check them out. Um, we're happy to discuss these in, in more detail. You can find us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. Follow Okada. On Twitter, Matt Okada is the handle. And for me, it's the Fantasy PT. That is it for this evening. And until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod and check out our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.